What is up, everybody? We are back. You already know what it is. This is the Trial Run Podcast. I'm Nathan. That's Brennan. Back and better than ever. It is Super Bowl week. It is a national holiday here in the United States of America, the beautiful United States of America. I know we'll be watching here in Mount Pleasant um, on Central Michigan University's campus. It's a wonderful week. What do you got to say, my man? It's great to be back for week two. As we said, we weren't sure we were going to be back, but, you know, here we are. Better than ever. Still trying to get this up on iTunes, uh, but... You know, listen on SoundCloud. We, we love our SoundCloud listeners, so thank you all very much. And actually, about that national national uh, holiday part of the Super Bowl, I've recently discovered that our, our wonderful Katie Nolan from ESPN has submitted a, a, uh, a thing to the, you know, National Register people, whoever the hell they are, and said that uh, the day after the Super Bowl is now officially a national holiday. It's called Football Hangover Day, so... Pretty excited about that. Maybe we can turn that into a day off of school type of situation down the road. But oh yeah, we need to parlay that into, into some <laughs> into some benefits for us down the road. That's what I'm thinking. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. We got we got Super Bowl this week. Like I said, we got Tom Brady. We referenced it last week with the Patriots, Rams. We got an upstart team versus an established dominant powerhouse. We got Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, all across the board. The Patriots have been a dominant organization for well over a decade now. It's unbelievable, and I'm going to start with, with the easiest part of perhaps this this segment of our show, and the most blatantly obvious about every, what everybody wants to know. Who who do you got? It's pretty clear to me. I have a bias here, um, but that doesn't change what I think is going to happen. Which you know, Patriots W. I I don't see the Patriots losing. I love Jared Goff. I love Sean McVay. They have a great future in the NFL, but. Um, yeah, Tom Brady and Belichick are battle-tested, and I think they're going to pull this one out. It's unbelievable because you look at what the Patriots organization has done for years and years and years. It makes it impossible for me to pick against them. And I know the Rams have been dominant. Their offense is complete, is, is a juggernaut, really. Sean McVay, he's an upstart coach. He's an excellent offensive mind, excellent football mind, and he will be successful for years down the road. But right now, in the here and now, I cannot pick against Tom Brady with a good conscience. I can't go to sleep at night thinking, wow, I'm going to let TB12 wreck my pick because he, he's all about the dubs. You know that. He wins year in, year out. He's back and better than ever. He's 40-plus years old, not going to let it slow him down. We, we talked about this last week, too, but what really blows me away about Tom Brady is just what he does, what he's done with so little. Like, if you think about it, I mean, he's had – He's had Randy Moss, and he had Wes Welker. But I would even argue Wes Welker. I think he made Wes Welker into what he is. He's just had, you know, not – right now he has Chris Hogan, who is a lacrosse player at Penn State, and that's he's made him into a weapon. I was looking the other day at some uh, videos of the Senior Bowl, and I saw Hunter Renfro making some catches. Yeah, Hunter Renfro, my man. And I hate this because you already know that Tom Brady is about to make him a, you know, a Hall of Famer someday. <laughs> I mean, it's no knock on Hunter Renfro because he's a skilled athlete. I've seen him play, but, I mean, look at the guy. He's short. I'll say it. He's white, and he's balding. He looks like your third-grade PE teacher, but he's still out here. And you know Tom Brady is going to make him a you know a pro bowler year in and year out. For those of you that don't know, Hunter Renfro, he's a skilled slot wide receiver for Clemson, Dabo Sweeney. Uh, Deshaun Watson used him with great effectiveness in college. And uh, we're, we're making this joke because of the fact that Tom Brady has a, has a history of taking – White receivers, small white receivers, small white receivers. I mean, Chris Hogan's not small, but you got yeah, guys like yeah. like, Wes like Wes Welker. You got Julian yep. Edelman, who's a quarterback at Kent State. Yep. Little Mac shout out. Yep. Kent State. We got Julian. Yeah, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Wes Welker, 
and now you got a guy like Hunter Renfro, who, like you said, very skilled athlete. I watched him run routes. I don't know if you've seen the video on Twitter of him running routes at the Senior Bowl practices. Yes. But he's unbelievable. He, no, he gets he, in and out of cuts. It's great. He's a very skilled – like, it's no knock on Hunter Renfro. It's just, like, that's such a Patriots-type wide receiver. He, Tom Brady has a propensity for taking, like, your local mailman and turning him into an all-star. So – it, that's why I think Tom Brady's so great, and that's why I think the Patriots are going to win this. And like you said, doing a lot with a little. The Rams, on the other hand, are loaded at every position. It seems like you got guys on the defensive side like Aqib Talib, Aaron Donald, and Dominican Sue. What should be a, a completely dominant front four. They have guys on the offensive end like Robert Woods. They have Brandon Cooks, guys like that. Um, Jared Goff. It's unbelievable. So, why do you think that? Bill Belichick, or how do you think that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady do this with such ease? And it seems like they rotate guys in and out without skipping a beat. It is absurd to me. I think, I honestly think that this is why uh, people should focus a lot more on the coaching hires than the offseason free agency changes because a player is only as good as the, the scheme that he's in and the coaching that he receives. So, you know, these, like, when you get people that are flung around the league, like, oh, we got, you know, Antonio Brown, we got whoever, that's great and that's very helpful. But I think the fact that you have a solid, consistent winning coach is really what's key. And Bill Belichick has brought that astronomically to the Patriots. Yes, and you're not wrong. And like I said earlier, I give Sean McVay a shout out. He's an excellent coach, still a bit unproven. He's a young guy. Um, that is something that's yet to be proven. His ability to win in the big game the big is yet, games, yeah. it's yet to be proven. And his ability to do a lot with a little, like you said, has still not been proven. It's something that we'll probably see down the road because they're not always going to be this stacked on right. both sides of the ball. You're going to get a point in Sean McVay's career where he's going to be He's gonna have he's gonna be pressed up against the eight ball and he's not gonna know what to do with a with a roster that's not nearly as skilled as he is accustomed to at this point in his career. Something that's fascinated me. This is it's not that they don't have a skilled player at this position. They're all very good, uh, but they don't seem to have a dominant wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like they have a bunch of really good. They've got Robert Woods. They've got. Uh, uh, what's his name? They have Cooper. They have Cooper, Cooper Cup. That's who I was looking who, for. Who is, Cooper who, Cup. Who's been injured the majority of the season, but Cooper Cup, when he is in and playing at the highest level, he's someone that you can compare to Adam Thielen, who's an All Pro. Right. A guy like that who can, who doesn't look the part, but he's a guy that can dominate games and take over games right. at the wide receiver position. They don't have one receiver who it's like, all right, games on the line, we're going to this guy. It's yeah. it's kind of like a everyone shares the load you can just they're all reliable solid guys and that's what kind of fascinates me about the Rams because they're like an amazing offense as we mentioned but yeah they don't seem to have that you know for better for worse they don't seem to have that dominating wide receiver and they do have this is we we failed to mention this so far they do have a dominating presence at running back with Todd Gurley that is very true a man who at Georgia was an unbelievable star played in the same backfield as Nick Chubb Sony Michelle guys like that Sony Michelle on the other side of the ball with the Patriots now but a guy like that do you th- what what role do you think he's going to play in a game like the Super Bowl the biggest stage he struggled a bit he's been had some nagging injuries going into the playoffs what do you think his role will be as we go into the Super Bowl yeah, I was surprised during the, the NFC Championship. There was a solid stretch there where they took him out, and I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard, at least. I didn't hear anything about injuries. I, I, it just seemed like he was out of the game. Maybe it was a, you know, an in-game injury, just something he had to work through. Um, 
But, yeah, he's going to definitely have to take on a big role in this Super Bowl. Uh, the Patriots' defense is no joke. Um, so, yeah, if they want to win that game, they're going to have to get him involved early and often because that's the only way that the offense is going to be able to open up both passing and running the ball. And, of course, C.J. Anderson has taken a much bigger role. Yes. Uh, Todd Gurley's not – I don't want to say taking a back seat, but he's definitely lessened his role, and C.J. Anderson has got significantly more touches working their way through the postseason, which leads me to believe that Todd Gurley is going through something, right. whether it be a nagging injury, um, an in-game injury, like you said, that could have potentially happen in the NFC Championship game. There's something under the surface that we don't necessarily know about, and I'm really hoping that does not play a role in deciding the outcome of the Super Bowl. I want to see the best players right. perform at the highest level, and I want to see the best possible football. And I don't think, no knock on C.J. Anderson, you know, you know what he is, 240-pound bowling ball at running back. He's been back. playing great, He's though, been balling you out. You, he's been unbelievable, and I don't want to knock him, but I want to see the best yeah. players on the field, and that includes Todd Gurley. That includes players like Tom Brady, Sony Michelle. Um, I wish Cooper Cup was on the field. Mm-hmm. I want to see the best possible football all the way throughout. Couldn't agree more. And speaking of the best possible football, I don't know if you watched the Pro Bowl or not. Actually, I, I know you watched some of it because I was with you. Oh, gosh. But the Pro Bowl... You were throwing a fit, as was I, as we were watching the Pro Bowl, as we were watching offenses run up and down the field with everybody who looks like they have no desire to tackle anybody. And I said that I understand this, but you seem to take a different approach where you did not did not fare well with the Pro Bowl as you were as a fan, anyway. Jeez. Okay, so we agreed beforehand we were not going to watch this game. It was you know we knew it was ridiculous, but then you know we were bored, whatever. Turned it on. I was like, okay, it's football, you know, no more football this week, so this is this is what we got, let's see what we have, and like, I drive into the game, I wanted to turn the thing off, it was pitiful. They, it's they, not football. They don't tackle each other, they're, they're like, they're like, it's basically two-hand, t- it's glorified two-hand touch, they don't even bring each other to the ground, the refs blow the play dead before they've even reached halfway to the ground, so yeah, no, the Pro, pro Bowl is ridiculous right now. I don't know what is going to have to be done for that, but something has got to change. I don't think you can just take it away. It's, it's a money-making object. The, a, N- the NFL is never going to give up a money-making money making scheme like that. And like I said, the, the Pro Bowl is not – it doesn't seem like real football, but it pulls fans there and it makes, it makes a quick buck for the NFL. So it, the likelihood of it going away is probably very low. And every major sport has their all-star game, you know, and I just don't think, even from a player standpoint, like players work for that. They work like, wow, I was a Pro Bowl player. Even though you know they don't care about the game, like just the honor and recognition of being a Pro Bowl player is something that's huge. So I don't think you can take that away. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you'd fix it either. Like I said, but it's something that has to change because I cannot stand to watch that game. Yes, I have. It, it's hard thing because I have no suggestions as to make it better. Because I, I completely understand the player perspective of them not wanting to go out there and put their bodies at risk. You don't want to have a season-ending injury in a meaningless exhibition game. That's, just not, that, that's, like, that's like blowing your career in a preseason game where that means nothing. You don't want to go out there and put your body on the line for, for something that doesn't actually benefit your career in any way. So I get them not wanting to go full force and hit each other with all the strength and might that they, that they would with, in a regular season game or a playoff game. But at the same time, if you want to make the Pro Bowl watchable and something that fans are going to enjoy and want to get up for, you have to change it in some in some fashion because it is not getting it done right now. What about a, a seven on seven look? You know, no contact. You throw it back to the old preseason high school days. Just have a quarterback, running back, couple receivers out there. 
sling the rock. The linemen don't get to play, but you know, no one like no one comes to see the linemen anyway. So just a nice sling of the rock, flag football, seven on seven game. That's funny that you say that because I remember distinctly back in my my glory days, my high school oh, career. Yes, we yeah, back in what the Pro Bowl reminded me of was Tuesday practices where we had hit and wrap with the running backs. Yeah. And it's not real tackle to the ground. It's hit and wrap. That is exactly what the Pro Bowl looked it like. Is. It was not at all tackling. It was not real football. And it looked like a high school JV practice or something like that. Maybe the NFL should just embrace this, you know, no it's nonsense. Just embrace it and say, all right, the new rule is we aren't tackling in this game. You still get to see, you know, ridiculous catches, blah, 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 blah. So maybe it'll be interesting. I mean, it's not football as we know it, but I think... Maybe that's the best solution. I don't know. They they they've got a real job on their hands down there, and in, in in the NFL head head offices. So we'll see what they come up with. Hopefully, absolutely. A lot of big things going on in sports this week. Not not just the Super Bowl. Well, like we talk, we haven't talked about this yet. We talked about NBA last week, mm-hmm. but since then, as we've been approaching the trade deadline. We've had some blow-ups and some absolutely humongous trades. Blockbusters. I believe the exact words that you were that you used on our on our, our show sheet here is big ass trade. Big ass trade. So we have the Knicks and the Mavs making a blockbuster deal. The Knicks receiving DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, Dennis Smith Jr. and two future first round picks. The Dallas Mavericks receiving Kristaps Porzingis, a young star, the unicorn. Courtney Lee, Trey Burke, and Tim Hardaway Jr., a couple of, couple of Michigan boys in there. Mm-hmm. What is your perception of this? What do you think the, the Knicks are doing? Because I know that NBA Twitter set on fire after this trade happened. A couple of Knicks fans burying the jerseys of Kristaps Porzingis. A couple of Knicks fans showing blatant frustration with the front office. What is your perception from both sides, the Knicks and the Mavs? Uh, well, for the Mavs, it's pretty simple. They're trying to They're trying to build up right now and win right now. They've got Doncic. And now they're adding Porzingis with them. Trey Burke is a good role player. Tim Hardaway Jr. is coming on nicely. Um, and they're in contention right now in the playoff race. So I think that's a push for them to try to make the playoffs and make a splash this season. Uh, as for the Knicks, that is a total rebuilding move. Not only for uh, future players, because they did receive two first-round picks in that trade, but also for a potential uh, off-season free agency or, uh, pickup. So... Who they pick with that, that's up for debate. If they pick anyone. If I, they can pull anybody. I would hope they can. I mean, if you're going to make a move like that, I think you've got to be able to pull someone out of this. Because while DeAndre Jordan is great, you just traded away Chris Stapps, who is the face of your franchise. So I would hope that you know that they, they have a plan going forward with this. In the NBA rumor mill beforehand, before this trade happened, there were some things on NBA Twitter talking about um, Christoph Porzingis making a mention of him not wanting to be in New York anymore, wanting to go. I wonder how much of that, if at all, played into the trade. But I was I was reading earlier uh, a couple of articles, a Bleacher Report article titled, Either the Knicks are getting KD or they just made the worst trade ever. That by Howard Beck, released on February 1st. Unbelievable because, like, like you said, you mentioned this, the Knicks are opening up a max slot to potentially get a player like Kevin Durant like Kyrie Irving, who now he's kind of gone back on what he said to the Boston Celtics last year when he promised that he would re-sign when he yep. became a free agent. He's gone back on his word a bit, saying that he's going to make the best decision for him come July. We'll see July 1st. Come, yeah. come the free agency period. We'll see July 1st was his exact quote, I believe. But the Knicks are looking to get a superstar in a market like that in New York City. 
if you don't have a guy, and they had a guy with Kristaps Porzingis mm-hmm. that they that they loved, but apparently him not wanting to be there, um, that's why I'm assuming it plays some sort of role. But now they're looking to get a guy like Katie, get a guy like Kyrie. Maybe you could even throw Anthony Davis in there, even though he's said that if he's traded anywhere other than the Lakers, he would look to sign with the Lakers in free agency next year. Looking to open up a max slot. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure that's the correct move anyway because the Knicks are so far away from, yeah. a, champ- from, a, from a championship run. I don't think one superstar is going to make that big of a difference. And considering, I know Kevin Durant, he had a bit of a problem winning even with guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden in OKC, so I don't know if he can do it on his own. Um, Kyrie Irving, we, we've yet to see him do it on his own. Yeah. So I'm not sure this is the perfect move for the Knicks. As for the Mavs, it's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? Because yeah. you get a... You get an up-and-coming superstar in Kristaps Porzingis. He's had injury problems. I know that's that's well noted. But other than that, he's got the brightest future ahead of him that you can possibly imagine out of anybody in the league at this point. I already, I know that Kristaps and uh, Luka Doncic they get along great too. Yes, yeah, so. as a relation from a relationship standard, um, it, it looks like a, a perfect match. Mm-hmm. And Luka Doncic, an up-and-comer, obviously he didn't make the All-Star team. There was some there was some ranting about that from Mavs fans. But he's been balling out this year. You keep your Michigan boys together. Chris Osport, oh, good, goodness. You have to get your Michigan, <laughs> your Michigan talk in there. Yes, Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway, a couple of role players. And that's another aspect from the Knicks side that I was looking at. Tim Hardaway was signed to a massive deal that he was not warranted. Nope. And it was, it was kind of weighing on the salary cap. And so they got rid of that. They got that off their books, send that to Dallas. So that's another aspect of it that goes as to why the Knicks did this. But on the on the flip side, like I said, kind of a no brainer. You get a you get a superstar, and all, what you're giving up is a washed up DeAndre Jordan, who I know you're high on, but I'm not really there. <laughs> He's a rebounder and a glorified lob catcher. That's all he is to me. Love it. And they get a guy like Dennis Smith Jr., who to me, honestly, he's been okay. He's not. I not don't. Perfect, too. I don't. He's not a perfect player. I don't see him as a perennial All Star in the future. He seems to be a guy that throws his body around. He's an uber athlete. But overall, that style of play does not seem to bode well in the NBA for longevity-wise, a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a no-brainer. And I, I like the move on the Mavs side. The Knicks side, it, it's yet to be seen. If they get a superstar, you're going to say this is a good deal. If they don't, they're back to square one. I would be – I'm going to say this now. I, I would be shocked if KD goes to the Knicks. He left OKC because he couldn't win a championship. And – the Thunder have been an established program for quite a while, so I don't think he would want to start over with the Knicks and try to rebuild his own championship there. I mean, just the other year, he uh, he had a, a chance to take a like max contract contract with the Warriors, and he turned it down in order to win. In order to win, I, I think he's still about that. I think he wants championships more than he wants the big deal. Um, so I would be shocked if KD goes to the Knicks. Um, Kyrie, on the other hand, I could see that happening. Kyrie's a bit of a character. He's a, he's bit a of, character. He's a bit of a guy that you don't really know what you're going to get. Like I said, he kind of went back on his what he said to the Celtics fan fans last year mm-hmm. when he said, I will be signing in Boston come next summer. And now he's kind of gone back on that to begin with. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. But another name that could be thrown out there, Clay Thompson, I know he said with the Warriors that he is not going to re-sign unless he gets a max deal. And as a as a Pistons fan, I'm hoping that yes. I'm hoping that he doesn't resign with the Warriors, and I'm hoping that the Pistons can somehow nab him. That would be because we talked about this earlier. We think the Pistons are a backcourt away from being a contender, mm-hmm. but that's neither here nor there. 
the Knicks are looking for a superstar, and I'm not sure if they're going to get one, to be honest with you. And like I said, they'll be back at square one because they had their superstar. They had him on their roster with Kristaps Porzingis. I know he's injury-prone, but he's the guy that could that could potentially be a major factor down the road as a veteran. Yeah, I don't know where um, Clay Thompson's going to go, but I hope he leaves the Warriors because I, he, I don't like the Warriors one bit, but I love Clay Thompson. I love that guy. I want him to get a chance to you know, be the face of a franchise because I think he is the best shooting guard in the league. Um, I think that he can make a big impact anywhere he goes, whether that's the Knicks or you know, hopefully the Pistons or some other program. Um, but wherever he goes, uh, I, I hope that he, he becomes you know, the, the star. The superstar. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Good stuff, man. Coming up next, we got we got CMU basketball. We got David DeLeo talk yes. for all of you CMU fans. You know David DeLeo went off against Eastern Michigan this week. Rivalry week. We had Eastern Michigan on Tuesday. We got we got Western Michigan tomorrow. The big game. I, we got the big game. I know who I'm going to pick. But coming up next, we'll talk that. We'll talk, talk college basketball. This is the Trial Run Podcast. We are back. CMU rivalry here on the beautiful Mount Pleasant campus. Like we said before the break, we played Eastern Michigan on Tuesday. Big, huge tilt against Western Michigan this weekend, this Saturday. I know I'll be there. I know you'll be there. And I know our man, David DeLeo, who absolutely balled out on Tuesday against Eastern Michigan, will be there. Like we said before the break, he is unbelievable. 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 5 of 5 from the stripe, 6 rebounds, 20 points total. He balled out. They beat Eastern Michigan. Close game, which it seems like they play a lot of close games. We haven't seen a game that hasn't been close thus far. We are looking for a big game against against Western Michigan. David DeLeo, our, our favorite player, as you can already tell, because the excitement in my voice, I, I love watching David DeLeo play, and I love watching CMU win, more importantly. So what are your predictions? What do you, think's got, what do you think they got going on for the Western game this weekend? I think... Uh... You know, I think that Central is going to have to work hard for this one because although Western has not won a game in conference play, they've played some teams tough uh, throughout the season and both in conference and in non-conference. They almost knocked off my Wolverines earlier this year. It was a very close game up until the end. Uh, so Cent- uh, Western's no dr- joke, and, you know, you throw out records once you get to rivalry week. So all the boys are going to have to ball out Roundtree, you know, Austin. Roundtree, who we saw at Blaze Pizza last night. That's right, we did. Shout out. Roundtree, Ron, Ron I know you listen, so shout out to you. Shout out Sean Roundtree. Um, like I said, yes, Western Michigan, like you said, I suppose, Western Michigan is not a great team this year. They're not what we've come to expect. Western usually puts together a better product than what they have. No wins in conference play this year, as you, as you mentioned. But when it comes to rivalry games and rivalry week, you throw all the records out the window. Central has proven that it can't beat anybody by a, a big margin, it seems like. So they're gonna. it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tight game, closely contested, as you'd imagine. And I think what it's going to come down to is how David DeLeo, Larry Austin, Rob Montgomery, the starter, Sean Roundtree, guys like that perform under the bright lights. Because I'm expecting a big crowd tomorrow. Oh, I, don't I know think about there you. will be. I think there will be a big crowd. Central has a tendency to put out bigger crowds on the weekends, the weekend games. We've been to a couple of them. And what I'm expecting is a majority of Western or a majority of Central fans in filling the stands, but also a large amount of Western Michigan fans making the drive from Kalamazoo to see the rivalry game. That's what I'm hoping for at least. 
I'm hoping for a, a good atmosphere, and I'm really looking forward to what we're going to experience this weekend, hopefully a big win for our Chippewas. I overheard some townies the other day talking about the big game, so you know they're fired up. They're going to be hooting and hollering. We're going to have a great time at the home barn. Uh, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. Unbelievable. College basketball as a whole, as we're approaching, I know in our room the other day, quick backstory, we're watching YouTube, we're watching some, some March Madness mm-hmm. videos, some previous, some previous college basketball March Madness stuff. I can't wait for the tournament. I can't wait for tournament time. And with that being said, there's always a lot of mid-majors making runs, like Central Michigan, when they, like, for example, when they had Chris Kamen in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. things like that, making runs in the tournament. I can't wait for the tournament, and I'm really looking forward to seeing these mid-majors ball out. Who is your favorite mid-major, and who, what mid-major do you think people should look out for in the tournament? Uh, the, you know, if you're going to look out for a team that's kind of flying under the radar right now, I would look no further than Radford. Radford, uh, you know, they're first in the Big South right now. They're doing a great job. They have some uh, non-conference wins against Notre Dame and Texas, who are by no means, you know, slouches. Those are two two good wins. Uh, they lost to Clemson by only eight points, um, and they played four four Power Five schools, including Notre Dame. I'm counting them in the Power Five conversation. Um, so they've been battle tested as far as conference play. They've been flying through it and. Obviously, the Big South is, you know, not a huge conference, but they've got some good teams. They've got Campbell in there. They've got Winthrop, who's made the tournament the past couple of years. Um, so I don't think they're – no, they're nothing to sneeze at. I'll just put it at that. I think that, um, you know, they, they have a chance to, to make some madness happen come March. I would look no farther than our own beautiful conference, yeah, the Mid-American yeah, yeah. Conference. Of course you wouldn't. Buffalo, the Buffalo Bulls. They have been very good. They're a team that last year made the tournament, I believe, as a 13 seed. Beat Arizona. They did beat Arizona. Badly. As a four seed. Yeah. They whooped up on them. I love myself some action, so I'm not going to dismiss this conversation without throwing a MAC team in there. Buffalo, they're, they're an excellent team. They've so far the first in the East, in the MAC East. So I, I look no further than them personally. I think that what they can do as a team, as a group, they're an excellent Organization, not an organization, excellent program. So a team that can make a run come March, and that's really what I'm looking for. Hot take right here. So we all know that the MAC runs through Buffalo, uh, but I do not like your pick because Buffalo will not be making the tournament this year because uh, my my Fighting Chippewas will knock them off in the really? uh, in the MAC championship game. Larry Austin. No, 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 no. Stra- scratch it. David DeLeo. Yes. The game My man, David DeLeo. From the stripe, he's going to point at the line, knock it down. We're going game to the winner. tournament. And we'll go. We'll go. You know Nate and I will be in attendance for that game. I think we already mentioned this, that if that game is uh, – if, if Central makes the tournament, then – We are there. We will be broadcasting our podcast from that game, the location of that game, so – Cannot wait for that. That's going to be a great time, and I have no doubt in my mind that they will uh, pull that off. I wonder how one goes about getting a press pass because I'm looking to I'm looking for a little CMU action at the at the game. You know, I I personally would love to see that. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure where the MAC tournament is this year, but I'd love to attend it because if CMU, I wholeheartedly believe that they can beat any team in the MAC. So if they can somehow make a run magically and get into the tournament. You know I'll be there. I cannot wait. I'm so excited for the end of the season. So, Nate, uh, 
How's Zion Williamson? <laughs> how's Zion Williamson doing right now? You know we don't talk about Zion on this on this program. We never talk about Zion. Yes. If you tune into this podcast, you will never ever hear us talk about Zion. Yes, Brendan just wanted to get that one in there. He's sick and tired <laughs> of hearing about the major the major outlets like ESPN and like Fox Sports talking about this man Zion Williamson at Duke. I know he's an excellent player, but we do not talk about him on this podcast from here on out. That is a rule that we're starting right now he's no david DeLeo. i'll just put it at that absolutely this has been the trial run podcast like subscribe add us on soundcloud comment below comment below we will be here every saturday for the foreseeable future i don't know it's a trial run so maybe not maybe not maybe we'll we won't see. be here maybe maybe not we'll i guess you're it. gonna have to tune in next week to find out all right see you later everybody this is the trial run podcast